Blog Talk Radio. Slow down, touch your life. Don't you know there's friends to be found? Lift your eyes and see the world. Lift your eyes up. Welcome to the Sunbury Press. Book shows sponsored by Sunbury Press, the publisher of books under nine different imprints in a variety of categories, available worldwide wherever books are sold. I am your host, Lawrence Knorr, the founder of Sunbury Press, and today we have author, continental traveler, and RVer Jerry Almond. Follow a reluctant wife and her excited husband through two humorously conflicted years of RV travel. He wanted to go. She wanted to stay. They both learn, grow, and change as a new level of freedom evolves. This book is lighthearted and humorous, but at, some, at the same time serious. While not a how-to book, it gives lots of basic information about RVing. And while not, and while not a travel log, it touches upon many travel destinations in the United States and Canada. On deeper levels, the book is about marital relationships, retiring and getting old, and finding a new kind of freedom through a minimalistic lifestyle. After reading this book, you'll never again look at one of those huge monstrosities driving down the road in quite the same way. The book answers questions for non-RVers and triggers chuckles of recognition from experienced RVers. Jerry Almond is a retired social worker turned writer, storyteller, and speaker. Her husband's retirement crisis, which included buying an RV, and declaring they should see the world has given her untold ammunition for writing material. With a permanent home address in Tampa, Florida, Jerry and her husband, Michael Hamlin, now switch off their reluctancies. She continues to feel quasi-reluctant on the road, and he feels actively reluctant during their period at home. Jerry Allman, welcome to the Sunbury Press Book Show. Where do we find you this morning? Good morning, Lawrence. I am so happy to be here. I am at an Art Village Spirit of the Road RV Rally in Live Oak, Florida. I am surrounded by RVers, and everyone here is so happy and friendly. <laughs> That's great to hear. Now, it's 9 a.m. here on uh, the day after Valentine's Day uh, as we're recording this for this podcast, and I'm just wondering – at an RV rally at 9 a.m. the day after Valentine's Day. What's going on there? Is it pretty quiet or, or are people up in the about? The campground is pretty quiet. I'll see an occasional person out walking dogs, occasional person uh, going down the hill to get coffee and donuts. But it's cold here this morning, so most of the people are still tucked up inside tra- staying warm. Uh-huh. I see. And what's a typical day if you're in an RV? Like how long will you be at that park and what do you do when you're parked there? This is a rally. This is an unusual, well, there are rallies all over the country, but the actual rally lasted four nights and five days. It ends tomorrow. It's a gathering. They are estimating there are about 2,000 people at this rally. RVers from all over the continent. A lot of we've met a lot of Canadians. 
There are educational classes. There's live music in the evenings. There's storytellers. There are lots and lots of vendors who are having parts, uh, things to sell you, uh, anything from silencers for your air conditioning units to tow bars to uh, collapsible plastic containers to put food in in your refrigerator. Wow. Sounds like uh sounds to me like you could choose to be solo, find some solace somewhere off on your own, just the two of you, or you could also then socialize and go to one of these rallies, maybe stay in touch with other RVers who become friends and a way to keep in touch. You know, this rally is so well organized. There are happy hours every afternoon from four to six. They have designated hosts. Uh it's just in designed to create this feeling of community. I like to think of an RV park as one of the last small towns in America, kind of a Garrison Keeler Lake Wobegone kind of atmosphere here because everybody is just so helpful and friendly. All it would take is one person to raise a hood on a vehicle and there will be 10 people over trying to help you out, figure out what's wrong. Yeah. Very interesting. Now, I'm going to take you back because you sound very happy and enthusiastic and excited about what you're doing now. And I know your book is titled The Reluctant RV Wife by Jerry Allman. So it means at some point you were reluctant about all this. And I know you started off saying how how your husband, Michael, was having a retirement crisis. Or maybe Maybe just give us a little bit of what do you mean by a retirement crisis? He doesn't know what to do with his time. Well, I made the mistake. I know now why there can be some dangers in marrying a younger man. I retired. I became a master gardener. I had 200 orchids growing on my lanai. I was just nestled in with my little writing groups and my critique groups and my gardening. I was having the time of my life. Then my younger husband retires, and I should have known he had spent a career on the road. Uh, in sales, and of course he was not going to be happy sitting on the lanai twiddling his thumbs watching me uh, tend to my orchids. So he has traveling in his blood. He likes the open road, likes to uh, see nothing but highway out the front windshield. So when he came up with this notion, it threw me into an absolute tailspin because it was going to, if I agreed to this, I would have to change my lifestyle pretty significantly. And I kicked and screamed and protested through about two years of it, and I guess I finally drank enough of the Kool-Aid, and I became a believer. Wow. Now, do you do you have a physical home still or just an address somewhere? We have a house in Tampa, Florida, and have not quite mustered the courage yet to sell it. So we had it pretty uh, much shut down. We have neighbors checking on it. We have the pool service, the yard service. We're still maintaining that house because it is very scary to think of selling it at this point because we are getting old. But you know what? We're going to be out here on the road as much as we possibly can as long as we can. Yeah, my my parents for a while had a, um, a large trailer slash camper I don't, for fifth wheel 
that they could attach to the pickup truck and we're, mm-hmm. we're traveling around and spending long weekends or weeks doing something similar, but they never went all in on an RV. They never sold their home and now they're back, um, you know, living peacefully in Montevallo in their home in Montevallo, Alabama. And, you know, they've got their swimming pool and they've got their routine and they seem very content there. So they, they dabbled with this, but didn't dive all the way in. So sounds like you still mm-hmm. hanging on to, uh, you're not 100% on the road, but I get it. Um, you know, as, as time goes by, there might be a need to be less mobile and, uh, maybe more in touch with, uh, with other people on a regular basis. But, um, and it's just fascinating this uh, decision to to travel so much and to do the RV thing. What what would you say was uh, your turning point where you drank all that Kool Aid, as you say? <laughs> you know, I think it had to be our trip to Alaska, and it had to be that fifteen hundred mile highway that started wow. in the Yukon, British Columbia, and went all the way to Fairbanks. I mean, as we drove along that highway, the rawness, the just, it was so pristine. It was so rich and thick with nature. And and it just made me realize what a big world there is out there and how little of it I have experienced and how um, insignificant my life really was in the overall scheme of things and that I owed it to myself and to my husband that, you know, we need to be out there living to the fullest while we can. Yeah, amen But I think that. it was a trip to Alaska that really turned, helped me turn the corner. I know as I reflect on things as I get a little older myself, I think about uh, the most valuable thing we have is our time, of course, also our family and friends. But, you know, personally, you realize time becomes so much more valuable when you start thinking about, well, how am I going to spend this time and what are, what's the best way to do that? And it sounds like seeing beautiful things, going places you've never been, to, been before, that's something I like to do too. So besides that Alaska trip, uh, what would you say were maybe the top two or three other places that you discovered as you were RVing? There had been some times when I just felt this uh, euphoria. I just uh, kind of look out and thought of it as a peak moment. I think when we were RVing on a hillside in San Monaco, California, and we looked right across the, the, the highway into the ocean, watching a sunset, watching porpoises playing uh, in the water. I mean, that was just one of those peak moments of, you know, my goodness, if something happened right now, I'm exactly where I want to be and need to be. I just loved that. Uh, we loved the uh, White Mountains. Uh, we love we love Vermont, New Hampshire. We love, we're mountain people more than water people, really. So love the, uh, the Rockies, loved uh, the Canadian Rockies, the United States Rockies, loved the mountains up in New England. Um, one thing about RVing, and it's not a place as much as it is a feeling, I'm a minimalist at heart, and it just is absolutely liberating to take off on a trip for six months and realize you have everything in the world you need almost within arm's reach inside this RV. 
I think the thing I've learned about RVing is how little it takes in terms of physical possessions to make you happy or, mm-hmm. or to to make you comfortable. So I've really let go of a lot of these attachments to things like that house in Tampa, although I can't sell it. But still, it doesn't mean the same thing to me that it used to. Other things uh, have become more important. My great, 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 I don't know how many greats, uncle, uh, David Bear Hackman, got onto a prairie schooner in Kansas and for the gold rush went across the West and you talk about minimalist. He had to be, and of course he wrote letters in a journal and I turned that into a book called the Pennsylvania Mennonite in the California gold rush. But he writes uh-huh. about that minimalist, uh, you know, all I have is what I'm carrying with me. And, uh, you know, they have to procure things along the way. And it's, uh, it's, it's on the one hand, it's very risky. It seems because you, you don't have all the, uh, trappings of the uh you know this home kitchen refrigerator well i guess you're doing an rv but not on a prairie schooner you're you don't have all the things you're familiar with and yet you're able to survive with very little and he always had even though he was going out there to make try to make a fortune i think he always appreciated the freedom that, that came with that uh-huh. and, no he didn't he didn't get rich so <laughs> But he learned he learned lessons similar to what you're talking about, and it you know 100 plus years apart. And as far mm-hmm. as that California coast experience, I had a very similar one some years ago, and I know what you mean by Northern California Pacific sunset sitting on top of cliff can be transformational. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, all great. Um, now let's flip it the other way. Uh, you know, you were reluctant when it all started, and I'm sure along the way there must have been some tense moments. Are there, is there anything funny or humorous that, that you could share about some of those more tense moments or maybe before you were indoctrinated? <laughs> well, there was certainly a learning curve involved in learning how to drive and handle an RV. You know, anything from uh, the first time we pull into a service station to get gasoline, we, we tow a car behind the RV and realizing we were going to sideswipe and take off a back bumper in the tow car uh, at, because we hadn't planned the, didn't know how to do the angle correctly. So having to get out and unhitch and having everybody kind of point and laugh and feeling terribly embarrassed for being such newbies at this. Uh, the first, one of our early trips, we were trying to get the thing level and uh, going up on these plastic blocks because the RV did not have an automatic leveler and ended up taking off the awning in the RV. Just funny, funny things like that. I mean, they're funny now. They weren't really funny at the time. But somehow when you get in an RV and something like that happens, you pretty quickly learn to kind of shrug and say, wow, this is not what we would have planned, but what are we going to do about this? How are we going to fix it? And you end up feeling in the long run, very competent, and uh, you're proud of yourself for getting over the little hiccups that happen along the way. How many miles do you think you've driven together now? You know, in four, we've been doing this a little over four years. We have RV'd in 49 of the 50 states and spent at least two nights in every state, and we put over 50,000 miles on our Class C, 26-foot motorhome. 
we have just traded up to a bigger one now. So uh, we're, this is a maiden voyage for our new RV, which is uh-huh. pretty intimidating because it is bigger than the first one. So you've been to all 49 states at least two nights, and you've only put 50,000 miles on it. Right. That, yes. That's very efficient driving. <laughs> because, uh, <laughs> but the thing is, when you tow a car, you know, the actual the RV doesn't get that much mileage on it, which is good because it gets terrible gas mileage. But, you know, you go, you park the RV, and then you use your little, they're, they're called toads, T-O-A-D, your toad to do all your, you know, running around, doing your errands, sightseeing, whatever you're doing when you're there. So the uh, RV is just to get from point A to point B. I see. And now you're upgrading. You're into a bigger one. I guess uh, You know, anytime somebody says something like that, I think of the movie Jaws and uh, when the police chief says, <laughs> we need a bigger boat. <laughs> was there was there an experience with you? Not that you had sharks circling your RV, but was there an experience for you, you all where you both thought, wow, let's get a bigger RV? Was there some reason for that or is it just, just a natural progression of things? With well, I think there was a turning point. We had planned to go full-time in an RV two years ago, and then my husband had an accident, which set us back a couple of years. But we're now at the point, again, we are ready to do that. And I realized if we, we had already been spending up to five, six months at the time on the road, which is li- practically living full-time in an RV. But I said, you know what, if we're going to spend eight or nine months on the road, Let's at least get one where I'll have a counter space to chop up, you know, an onion and a closet where I can hang clothes. And I also, you know, since I'm a writer, wanted a place, a comfortable place where I could sit with my laptop. I mean, that entire book, The Reluctant RV Wife, was written inside our little 26-foot Class C motorhome. It was an authentic RV book, but I thought about this and figured, you know, I think I could be a little more comfortable than sitting in my little three-square-foot office at the end of a sofa with my coffee cup perched on a little step stool and my laptop in my lap. So, that, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't thinking about that. Your first, this first book was written in, uh, while you were RVing, and that's pretty yes. remarkable that you, uh, yeah, very, very authentic. So, yeah, I, I and guess, people uh, had told me, you know, the book is so painfully honest, and it's like uh, you're not going to sell any RVs with that book. But I don't know. I think I might. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, just I have some questions just as I think about, you know, the, the degree of freedom. I'm, I'm very excited about the concept of having that kind of freedom where you're on the road, you're minimalist, you just have what you need. I like to travel on uh-huh. the road, too. I, I do a lot of uh, – my research for books uh, traveling around to places and and so I enjoy that I guess the um like some of the details around mail how do you how do you deal with mail or or keeping in touch via snail mail is is there much of that are you worried about that are there ever notices or things that come to that house in Florida uh how do people get in touch with you that way Well, the United States Postal Service has a rule that they will hold mail for you for 30 days, and that's it. You know, they don't want six months' worth of your mail accumulating. There are all kinds of services for full-time RVers where you can have your mail all directed to one particular uh, service. 
And then that service monitors your mail daily if you want, but at least weekly. If anything looks important, they will send it to the campground wherever you are, or they will open it and scan it and send it to you electronically. There, there are services that will monitor your mail. Once you sign up with a service like that, the U.S. Post Office will never go back and deliver in your mailbox, even if you say, I don't even have an RV anymore, I'm home, please send it, they won't do it again. So we have right now have a very kind and generous next-door neighbor who walks over to our mailbox every day and collects our mail and alerts us if anything looks important. And ah, we come home okay. to a huge box of junk mail. <laughs> I, can, I can imagine. I, I get a huge box of junk mail every week. So I know. Yeah. Well, now i gotta, I got to ask you, too, about – Things like uh, driver's licenses, taxes, residency rules. I know it varies state by state. Um, is Florida pretty generous in that regard? How long can you stay a Florida resident? Is there Must you be physically in Florida so many days out of the year, or how does that work? I think we will always be a Florida citizen as long as we own the house. We're registered to vote ah. in Florida. We have all of that set up. Which is another reason it's scary to think of losing the house. I mean, when it comes time to vote, I mean, we, we need a an address. So, right. you know, we, we aren't quite ready. There there are people around us, you know, to who can answer these questions when we're ready to ask them and, and ready to hear serious answers. Right now, you know, I think if we could – if we stayed on the road eight or nine months of the year, we will be thrilled. I mean, where else – would we really want to be other than Florida in the dead of winter anyway? Right. Right. That makes sense. Hey, we are getting through this uh, show here pretty quickly. We've got about eight minutes to go. So let me, let me switch over to what you're doing now. I know you're working on another book. Um, mm -hmm. If you could tell us a little bit about that, tease us with that and uh, a little bit about what you'll be, what you're doing regarding uh, your, your work. I am working on a, a second in a series, again, like stories from the road. The working title at this point is Home is Where the RV Is. I'm not sure that's going to be the name, but right now that's the title I like. It's kind of a continuation. The story arc is not as dramatic in terms of, you know, I start off reluctant and I end up embracing the lifestyle there's, but there the learning curve of our being continues, you know, in terms of the mistakes that we make and things that we learn. This our being, I, I'm being opened constantly just to so many facets that never occurred to me before. This rally is the first time we really had the opportunity to sit down and talk with these people who have been nomads for ten years, who could not even imagine living in a sticks and stones house anymore. I'm thinking yeah. future books are going to include more stories about what led other people to make these decisions and the things that they have learned and found. We've also found a population of RVers who are choosing RV life because they feel like they have a better quality of life in an RV than they could ever afford if they lived in one place. We're running into RVers who are working full-time in their RV offices 
remotely from their 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 business, their companies. We are running into families with seven children, and all these children are living, growing up without a fixed address, because and they're being homeschooled by the parents. We're finding virtual communities of people who periodically, you know, gather in one place, you know, a couple of times of the year for reunions, celebrations, whatever. It is, there are so many facets to this that I am finding really interesting. Boy, I'll say, you're, you're saying some things there that I hadn't really thought about, these 21st century nomads. It's, it's definitely more than uh, just a retired couple going off on an adventure. It sounds like a way of life for, for many. And uh, I'm intrigued by this office on the road as, as someone who does computer consulting as well. It's, uh, it's a very interesting idea. Mm-hmm. Well, well, the new marketing any... for the R. Yeah. Pardon me. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, we have time. I was just going to say the new marketing for the RV, RV in the RV industry is targeting millennials. These new RVs have more USB ports than they have electrical outlets. You know, they are designing these things for people who want to stay connected and uh, work from home. Wow. Wow. So I, I absolutely love the idea of continuing your series and uh, branching out from just your own experiences to what you're observing from others, what you're hearing from others, some of these other lifestyles. They're all – it's a very deep pool here to to write about. And um, Yes, and I think there, there's an audience out there for it if they never see themselves in an RV, but they're just curious about decisions other people make. Yeah, now I know um, the Florida Writers Conference has asked me back for this. Uh, I guess it's October or November. I forget now. I think it's October. Will you be there again as well in Orlando? I plan to be there, and I am hoping to have my the second book in my series as an entry in the Royal Palms Literary Awards contest again, which is yeah. how I came, how you came about knowing about the Reluctant RV Wife, but I'm hoping to uh, win another state award this year. Yeah, that was fantastic, and I'm so glad that we met, and we're so happy to have published your book, and now hopefully a, a lengthy series on this this topic. It's, uh, it is fascinating. What an amazing life you're, you're living and uh, wish you continued happiness and success. Do you have any closing comments you'd like to make, Jerry, before we sign off? Just a big, big thank you for the opportunity of being on the show. I have really enjoyed chatting with you. All right. Thank you, Jerry. We've been talking to Jerry Allman, the author of The Reluctant RV Wife. This has been the Sunbury Press Book Show on the BookSpeak Network. Mm-hmm.